Hello, friends. Welcome to the Defining Marriage Podcast. Usually we talk about marriage equality and some other weird stuff. Uh, hey, James, what's going on? You seem sleepy. I am wide awake and bushy-tailed. Good. Are you really bushy-tailed? Speaking of tails, you went to a bar with a pup last night. I did. I did. The delightful pup Amp, also known as... Oh, gosh, he has so many names. Uh, what's his... What's his... I forgot. His I point. can't believe you're doing this with someone you actually know. I, somebody I know. Yeah. No, no, no. Because I'm trying to differentiate between his pup name, his adult performer name, and his real name. Uh, I think I think Amp's the right and his way confirmation to know. name and his confirmation name. Yeah, uh, so he does what's the safe word, which is a delightful YouTube series. You've uh, appeared on it. I have, I have. I was about a year ago. It was, it's Pup Amp and Pup Bolt. Uh, they talk about what's happening with, in the sex world, and uh, so I hung out with him last night and um, and our friend Torque. But this encounter, yeah, has caused me to have a thought. Oh, so oh no. for, for centuries now, yeah. there has been this great debate broiling in the philosophical community mm-hmm. about Goofy and Pluto. One of them, Goofy, uh, wears overalls, and he has a difficult morning commute, and he is flummoxed by exercise equipment, and he has all the, all the foibles of, of our modern life. You should see him going off of a ski jump. Wahahui. And then there's Pluto, who eats his own poop and chases uh, chipmunks in the backyard. Yeah, now, yeah. Is it possible that they are both the same species of dog, and yet one of them has chosen to live as a pup, which would make Mickey a handler? So here, here is my, my theory, my fan theory that I posit to you, yeah. that Pluto and Mickey are a gay couple. One is a pup and one is a handler, and I'll leave it to you to figure out which is which. And that is why Mickey has never married Minnie, because he already is in a fully satisfying pup-handler relationship with Pluto, who, if he wanted to, could just stand up and put on a suit and drive the car and go work out at the gym and go off a ski jump. Would you believe you're not the first person to come up with this theory? What? Yeah. Tell me more. This is, there's nothing more to say other than shame on all of us. Yeah. Uh, No, it's a theory that I've seen before on the internet. Where on the internet? Uh, What part of the internet? Oh, the dark seedy corners, of course. Uh, But yeah, I think probably on like pup groups on Facebook. Uh, The suggestion has been made. Interesting. Yeah. And and what is the consensus? Uh, The consensus is, uh, this is a little icky, maybe. Let's not think about it. What about, how do the Beagle Boys factor into this? Oh, I forgot about the Beagle Boys. They turn into pigs in the DuckTales game they certainly do what does that mean oh boy i think you i think we both know what that means mm. oink, oink. uh more troubling i think yeah. is the episode of arthur yeah where uh it's it's called something like arthur the poet or arthur says i'm a poet or something like that mm-hmm. uh it opens with arthur reading a poem about how his sister is afraid of animals okay but here's the thing. They're all animals in this world. Aren't we all animals in this world? Yeah, so, like, the poem's about, like, how sisters are afraid of cats and dogs and spiders and bears and chickens, mm-hmm. but they're all aardvarks and rabbits and raccoons and things. Oh. And in the cartoon, hmm. you see her out in the world, his sister, out in the world interacting with, like, animal animals, uh-huh. like, down on all fours and barking. Yeah. But they're all anthropomorphic animals, so there's some sort of class divide in the animal kingdom. Now, do you ever see uh, a more animalistic version of the animals that they are? Like, do they ever encounter an aardvark or a bunny? I don't think so, which makes it real strange. But here's what you do see. Mm-hmm. They all wear, all the characters on the show wear clothes. Sure they do. The poem that Arthur is reading They're culminates... Filthy if they didn't, yeah. Culminates in a line that's something like... She she's afraid of things with feathers and fur. Mm-hmm. 
uh, and the visual for that is his sister sitting on a park bench reading a book. She looks up, and a bear walks by. A bear walks by on all four, uh, on on all on two legs. Oh yeah, uh, naked. The bear's not wearing any clothes; it's just fur. It's carrying a chicken. It sits down on the park bench, and then the bear and the chicken start making out. <laughs> no, they don't. They absolutely no, they don't. They absolutely do. What are you talking about? They absolutely do, and you hear kissing noises. <laughs> no, you don't. What? Yes. This is not... Ha- what are you talking about? James? Matthew? Yeah? This is from nifty.org or something. This isn't real. Uh, shall we pause and call up the scene? <laughs> P-A-W-S? I'm going to play the scene for you, and, and I, want to, I want to hear your reaction. Wait. This can't be real. I want to hear your reaction on the podcast because we're going to play it. All right, I don't have my glasses though, so you're now you've, oh, you've is that poisoned so, so that I won't hit you. No, no, you've poisoned my mind though because now whether or not there's an image of a bear making out with a chicken, that's all I'm going to see. Okay, she's startled. She's hanging from the chandelier, like at the end of War of the Roses. A turtle's giving her cunnilingus, and she just pulled her head into her foreskin. Okay, there's a worm. Wait. There is a lot of imagery in this. Okay. Yeah. Alright. What? Okay, so l- let me describe to you what I just saw. So, no, I may be wrong about this, but I think there's a part at the end of War of the Roses where Kathleen Turner is swinging from a chandelier. So let's just assume that that's true. And I'm seeing Arthur's sister doing her best Kathleen Turner impersonation, swinging on a chandelier. Then she lands, and between her spread legs, a, a turtle walks up and kind of sticks its face into into her personal space? Not exactly. Just close to it. Well, when that happens, she... I think that's just awkward blocking. She retracts her head into her turtle turtleneck like it's a foreskin the sister not the turtle yes it it it, it forms a a nice moist encumbrance wait uh okay uh, you're, you know who's the poet ha! the turtle looks disappointed looks toward looks to the camera and then sort of wanders off next we see her peering into a cave and then a giant worm comes out of the cave and kind of undulates which Seems suggestive. And then, yes, she is sitting on a park bench, and a nude bear on two legs walks by, holding a chicken. Like, under his arm. Under his arm. Then he sits down on the bench, and they both kind of look at her and start making out. Yep. And the chicken is chicken-sized, and the bear is bear-sized. It's not like it's, you know, a big anthropomorphic chicken lady and a, and an anthropomorphic bear. It's like a bear-bear that's bear, because it's not wearing any clothes, and a regular old Frussy the Chicken. Yep. So that was uh, on the television show for kids. Why? I don't know. Why? It's inexplicable. It is so weird. And is that her fear? She's afraid that bears and chickens are going to make out in front of her? I mean, I'd be afraid of just about everything in that thing sure the giant worm crawling out of the mine with the miner's helmet on uh-huh. i think it's reasonable to faint at that sure it's but it is quite a yonic image isn't it it is it is there's something troubling whoever storyboarded this episode mm. of arthur uh it's like the guy who created wonder woman uh, using nope. cartoons to deal with uh, his own internalized problems i mean it only would be more overt if it was a train just pulling in yeah. and out and in and out of the tunnel slowly yeah and yeah. more rapidly as the, the sequence goes on. Yeah, or if she was afraid of hot dogs being slowly pressed into buns. Sure. Oh, like um, Patty Duke. Well, it makes her lose control. Well, of so her maybe bowels. it's not a... Oh, all right, what? all right. 
Anyway, I can't remember what she got us on delicate topic of bears and chickens making love, but... That's all we talk about. It is. It is. That's our relationship. Oh, d- who's the bear and who's the chicken? I think we know. Oh, get on the beer can. <laughs> anyway, uh, so let's talk about marriage stuff this week. Oh, how, boy. How things? Oh, that's right. You were talking about the, the pups. Sure. Yes. Uh, how romantic. Well, James, mm-hmm. it's been swell. Uh-huh. American it's been so- swollen. Yes. American society has been great. It's had its ups and downs. Uh, it's had its ups and downs, but uh, it's time to say goodbye. Okay, American goodbye. society will uh, be going away in two generations. Okay. That's according to Lynn Wardle. Oh, the, that's a Pokemon. It does, you know, whenever I hear the name, I think it sounds like the name of a turkey. Okay. Uh, but no, uh, Lynn Wardle is a man sure. who uh, works at BYU. He's been a activist against marriage equality since the 80s. Okay. So a uh, long career there. Uh, and so I was very excited because I saw an article by him with the headline, Obergefell's redefinition of marriage will destroy American society within two generations. Okay. And I was like, oh, this is going to be good. This is, this is going to be rich. Mm-hmm. Let's see how this happens. What's, what's his theory here? Yeah. How's it going to do that? Well, unfortunately, he doesn't say. Oh. He just begs the question. The entire article is just a review of what Obergefell was uh-huh. like a year and a bit later. Yeah. And with the conclusion... Sadly, the Obergefell def- uh, redefinition of marriage will destroy American society within two generations. So set your clocks, set your set your timers, set your stopwatches. You've got two generations left. Okay, so I have questions. Where was this published? Uh, CNS News, which is a Catholic news service. So this is just a clickbait headline, right? Because I guess, yeah. all it did was describe what the decision was. And oh, then, and also yeah. how it contravenes the Magna Carta. So I didn't uh, realize this. Our culture is based on the Magna Carta. I'm afraid it is. Okay, that, that is. That is legitimate. That our that the Constitution was inspired in part by the Magna Carta. Well, no, I, I the foundation. Blah 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 blah. Yeah. What does the Magna Carta have to say about gay marriage? Uh, very little. Uh, so I didn't realize this, but the Obergefell decision came. 800 years and 11 days after the Magna Carta was signed. So that's a fun little anniversary. But how does it contravene the Magna Carta? Oh, because uh, the Magna Carta provides for the people to govern themselves. And the Supreme Court decision overruled the will of the people by saying that some things are beyond the reach of popular vote. The people instituted a government of a representational democracy with three branches, and one branch appoints people to the third branch, and the second branch confirms them. So uh, the people's will is carried out uh, in different ways by the executive, judicial, and legislative branches. You are not having Lynn Wardle's bullshit. Yeah. No, I I mean... This interpretation assumes that the Supreme Court came to us from Mars or something. Sure, that it was imposed by fiat. I mean, it's the... the, the Supreme Court is part of a system of representative democracy where we don't have direct say over everything, nor should we, at least within the system that we have. Yeah, I think that's correct. Uh, and it's very infuriating to see bullshit artists like Lynn Wardle, who is himself a lawyer, mm-hmm. teaches law at BYU, mm-hmm. making this outlandish claim that uh, the Supreme Court is, you know, just came to us from somewhere else and there are dictators rather than they're a fa- literally foundational part. Part of our system of government. There are situations where we allow a simple majority to determine the course of laws for a state or for the country, but 
when it comes to things like civil rights, we don't because the majority has an incentive often to disenfranchise the minority. Yeah, that's just how it works. We protect everybody. Well, <laughs> it would be nice if we well, protect everybody. Yeah. But uh, no, we have protections for groups that may be unpopular. Right. Because even when we protect, when we protect unpopular groups, it's protecting everybody. Sure. And also, I mean, sort of definitionally, uh, if something is unpopular, you can't rely on a popular vote to (laughs) protect it. Yep. Uh, What would the Magna Carta have to say about this? Anyway, uh, so that's Lynn Wardle, who has nothing new or interesting or correct to say. Uh Uh, Meanwhile, we've also got Steve Crampton. Okay. Uh, not to be confused with Peter Frampton. Yeah, absolutely not. Now, are these uh, villains from a children's book? Wardle and Crampton? Wardle and Crampton. Aren't they great? They sound like something from... Uh, who, who, the, who are the villains in Neverwhere? They sound like those oh, two bad guys? A bit, yeah. Uh, I forget their name. Uh, but yeah, they sound like uh, scary guys in trench coats who are sneaking around with uh, magical daggers. They're kind of between Dahl and Gaiman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Steve Crampton comes alive, yep. uh, is running for the Mississippi Supreme Court. Another, oh, did you just snap a rubber band? I broke a gay friendship bracelet. Oh, James. So uh, James has been fiddling with, it was only a matter of time, because the thing was cheap. Uh, James has been fiddling with a gay friendship bracelet, a rainbow friendship bracelet made of rubber bands. Uh, and one of the rubber bands has snapped. And so, like a, a chain of success with one link broken, it all shall unravel. Oh, but I think it can be fixed. Can it? Yeah. By you? No. <laughs> By you. <laughs> all right. No, I think you're correct, actually. Yeah. I think we removed the purple and, well, yeah, whatever. There we go. This is fascinating. Anyway, so Steve Crampton is running for the Mississippi Supreme Court. He says that the U.S. is in danger of becoming a slave nation because of gay marriage. And Mississippi would know a lot about I being know. a slave I, nation. My jaw literally dropped when I, when I uh-huh. read that. I was okay. like, holy shit, it takes some nerve for somebody from Mississippi to say a thing or two. Can you imagine? Yeah. What, what, it is, can you, what would America be like if it relied on slavery? Oh, my goodness. Such a thing is unthinkable. Mm-hmm. Um, he says, it's essential if we're going to preserve our liberties as our founders intended that states reassert themselves Uh, okay religious freedom is the first freedom it's foundational if it goes everything goes it is like that rubber band you just snapped anything goes uh okay so let's just take him at face value and ignore the slavery thing for a moment um how does letting people of the same sex marry infringe on anyone's religious freedom because religious people will have to acknowledge that those same-sex couples got married occasionally. I mean, it's not like every single day you wake up and you have to pay tribute to the gay couple. But, you know, you, you're working at your job and some gay couple is like, oh, we would like uh, membership, a, a couple's membership at this public pool. Or we want to get a cake made. Or this is my wife, uh, probate judge, and we are getting an adoption. There will be occasions where people will be expected to recognize a same-sex marriage. But how does that recognition infringe on their liberty? Surely they are asked to recognize things all the time that are not 100% compatible with their religions. And because we live in a society that does not allow for the establishment of one religion or preferential treatment of one religion over another, we have just found ways to live with each other recognizing that sometimes people are going to do things that our beliefs don't agree with, and that's just life. Yeah, and this gets down to the the argument that they want to make, which is simply acknowledging that people are living in a way that contravenes, that contradicts their religious beliefs, means that that acknowledgement violates their religious beliefs. But, but they must do that hundreds of times a day. 
I mean, how can you turn on the television if you have strong religious beliefs and flip through the channels and and not be confronted with things that you don't agree with or believe in yourself? And it's not an infringement of your liberty that other people are doing these things. Well, there's there's a difference there between just seeing someone doing something Uh and actually taking an active role like I, but I think it's debatable how active the role is so let's mm-hmm. say that someone is you know we'll take we use the baker example that no, it, now it's not just oh I happen to be walk by this place where they're having a, th- a gay wedding and I saw it and oh no but now it's I have a role in this gay marriage I, I participate I did something that admit, that facilitated the gay marriage is that violating their religious beliefs I mean is it r- violating your religious beliefs if you believe that God said the races should be kept separate? And an interracial couple wants you to bake a wedding cake. Yeah, I think I think it might be. And uh, uh, okay, so but I think that very few people believe that anymore. Even though just a few decades oh. ago, a lot of them did. I don't, I don't know. know. Maybe, I mean, you look at this. You, you look at what's going on this year, and I'm not sure that there aren't a lot of people who believe that. Yeah, yeah. But so I mean that that was settled, and how was it settled? So if somebody oh, says yeah, I mean, the, this is the, law. the Bible says, yeah. God separated the races and didn't want them to mix, and so it is a core fundamental religious belief that I sincerely hold that interracial marriage is is against my religion and is a is a moral abomination therefore asking me to make a cake for this wedding is asking me to participate in this great sin and so it is an infringement of my liberty and how has that been settled in the past with with integration uh it's been settled as nope sorry the law's more important uh, i know your religion says that the races shouldn't mix but we've decided as a culture that they are going to and that it is illegal for you to uh keep them apart even if your religion says that you need to so sometimes religion is trumped by law and that's what's happening here with gay marriage and just as with interracial marriage at the time that that happened as with the time that that gay marriage is happening it was acceptable to be a little bit bigoted. And so people tried to make the case in the 60s, oh, uh, my religion says it's okay. Just as now people are saying, oh, my religion says it's okay to, to deny service. And now it's unpopular to say that about uh, mixed-race couples. And, you know, in a couple decades, it'll probably be unpopular to say that about gay couples. Sure. So, but I mean, while this tantrum's happening right now, I mean, why not reopen that? Why not say you shouldn't have to make a cake for any wedding you disapprove of? Because that's an unpopular opinion okay but i mean it's a logical one it like is. why why is it because ah, because so what if it's logical because the laws that they're writing right now basically say that you can do whatever you want as long as it's about the belief that marriage is between a man and a woman right like you can mm-hmm. disregard the law if you're doing it on the basis that you believe marriage is between a man and a woman why stop there why why not say that you know you don't believe in muslim marriages or jewish marriages so you shouldn't have to serve those you don't believe in interracial marriages you shouldn't have to serve those logically of course that's where it would go uh but they also know that they can't get away with that so they're not going to try but why not because they're hypocrites. Oh, I mean, because I mean, like that, it, it seems like if you really believe in, okay, so the Magna Carta says that people should be governing themselves with a king, but whatever. Um, so the people should be governing themselves. Um, and that st- that therefore means states should be able to decide uh, marriage rules and uh, who can be discriminated against. 
then surely the people should be free to decide that they can discriminate against anyone for any reason. Yeah, the people should be able to vote on whether Jews can get married mm-hmm. or like on a case by case basis that they can veto their neighbors if they don't like their neighbors or people from particular national origins. Uh, yeah. You know, you don't have to serve Scottish people or Mexicans or Australians or whatever exactly. or disabled people. Yuck! Right? You know, like pick any pick any 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 dis- disfavored class and right, you right. know a majority is going to be like, ah, eh, that's not. Me, so well why but why has it been narrowed down to just marriage between a man and a woman because that's the thing that people are using to form uh, uh, opposition to that is what people are using to form tribes and form their identity now and as much as the gop is like oh we oppose identity politics because it's convenient for them to say that uh of course everybody does identity everyone is like oh who are my people and who are their people it's us versus them and right now the us versus them uh you know could be predicated on on any number of things it could be about uh race uh, it certainly could it could be about gender it could be about religion and in this case it's about uh how you feel about gay people sure 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 and i mean of course that's that's really at the heart of it right uh, tribalism mm-hmm. speaking of tribes uh so we just saw the days of 47 parade and no we didn't what are those <laughs> so the days of 47 parade is a mormon thing that they do in salt lake city okay uh so it's to commemorate the uh anniversary of the arrival of the mormons in salt lake city in 1847 okay and it's a big parade and and probably not that song but yeah. you know there's songs and parades and floats and celebrating mormons and things mm-hmm. so it may not shock you to learn that homosexuals are not entirely welcome in this parade Sure. So the city council of Salt Lake has been keeping out this organization called Mormons Building Bridges, mm-hmm. uh, which is a group that's trying to form bridges between Mormons and other communities, and they've been trying to get Mormons and gays along to, to get along with each other. Uh-huh. And every year the city council's like, no, no, no. So are these basically log cabin Mormons? Yeah, I think that might be a good way of looking at it. Okay. Yeah. So um, what they've been doing uh, in the past uh, is to get gay people into the parade. At first, uh-huh. what they were doing uh, was that the city council was like, oh, uh, you know, you, your group can march with a guest. And so they've been, um, Mormons Building Bridges has been using that to their advantage to just put gay people in the parade. Okay. Uh, the city council put a stop to that a few years ago by saying, by changing it from you and a guest to you and your spouse. So oh. Oh. for a long time, uh, that, uh, meant that, uh, oh, sorry, uh, gay people can't get married in Utah. So uh, mm-hmm. you don't count as a spouse. Right. Well, things have changed. Mm-hmm. And now Derek Kitchen... Okay. Uh, who was one of the plaintiffs in Utah who got the marriage equality case. He is... Uh, who's, who's a plaintiff in the marriage equality oh, case? Oh, okay. Blah, blah, blah. For Utah. Uh, he is on city council. Mm-hmm. So, for the first time, a uh, Derek Kitchen has marched in the parade with his spouse. Oh. Uh, yeah. Did anybody say get back in the kitchen? <laughs> no. I'd love to. Oh, how dare you. And, uh, yeah. So, uh, that and your spouse thing that was originally uh, intended to keep the gay people out mm-hmm. is now being happily enjoyed by the gay couple that helped make marriage happen in Utah. Sure. I mean, that's fun for the spousy ones, but what about the ones who don't want to be spousy? Mm, yeah. Uh, sorry, you guys, you're out of luck. Hmm. See, this is the slippery slope of marriage. Uh, people who are not, who choose not to be married are 
disfavored. Mm-hmm. It's not very fair. And it would be nice if the parade uh, could be open to everybody. But then again, good grief, it's just a parade. That having been said, I mean, I am a little over parades, but I get it's very important for a lot of people. So, uh, yeah, it would be lovely if uh, if the city council was just like, oh, well, whoever wants to march in it, good grief, it's just a parade. Let's just have a good time and get on your parade and wave a balloon around. Well, I mean, the thing with, because, you know, it used to be, there used to be a lot of controversy about gays wanting to march in this parade or that parade, often St. Patrick's Day parades and things like that. Mm-hmm. I feel like where, you know, LGBT people make up a chunk of a particular community makes sense for the LGBT people to be represented in a celebration of that community. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I don't know when it comes to Mormons, because they have actively said, we don't want you. Yeah. So, I mean, it's not like it's an inaccurate reflection to keep gays out. That's true. That's true. I guess what it reflects is... Uh, a conflict between a group that's, you know, says that Mormonism and things in general should never change because it's always been great for me. So why should it change? Mm-hmm. And another group that's like, oh, maybe we should evolve and get better. Sure. I mean, always. Uh, I mean, it's so close to being within living memory of certain people. I mean, it's not like this is some ancient thing. <laughs> this yeah. goes back to like right before cars were invented. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, I mean, Mormonism is safe. I know this ancient, the ancient, unchanging, you know, Im- time immemorial memorial of the late 1800s yeah it's like if there were people who were like if there was a movement to preserve the telegraph Mm -hmm. like the telegraph must never be allowed to change and i'm deeply opposed to this this telephone thing oh i remember when we used to type out things dots and dashes and uh it's an abomination to actually talk into a mouthpiece sure i mean it's one thing to like talk about magical fantasy lands uh of, of, of the middle east thousands of years ago it's another thing when you're talking about like schenectady (laughs) <laughs> oh, I won't. I won't hear aspersions cast on my precious Schenectady. <laughs> it's the uh, the the Reno of the East. Sure, I, I don't, it's not. It's not. No. But I, don't, I was trying to think of a small town in the in the West that I don't know. It's the Chico of the West of the East. You're the Chico. <laughs> oh, you're the Chico of the Zeppo. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, what else have we got this week? Uh, some quick uh, international roundups. Uh, Italy just got civil unions, so hooray! Mamma mia! Uh, no adoption, no marriage for binationals, at least until the end of the year, but, you know, it's something. Wait, wait, what did they get? They got civil unions, so limited rights for same-sex couples. Not all of them, just a few. Okay. New Zealand has had marriage since 2013, and now oh. there's uh, some movement afoot to make the marriage equality activists knights and dames. Sure. I didn't know New Zealand did knights and dames. Well, why not? Can you imagine? That seems pretty cool to be a, a Kiwi dame. Sure. Do you think... <laughs> I mean, every time we talk about kiwi, I imagine the fruit and the bird, mm-hmm. and a bird that looks like the fruit. What kind like of does. a little fuzzy thing. Yeah. yeah I know. I know. Um, being knighted, I dub the Sir Kiwi. Now, I know that she's Australian and not from New Zealand, but could Dame Edna become a dame? Dame Dame Edna? Yeah. Yes. She is Australian, right? I guess. And she's also technically a man, so would it be Sir Dame Edna? That would be amazing. Yeah. Sir Dame Edna? Yeah. Um, uh, speaking of Australia, uh, they've just appointed a shadow minister for what? equality. What? Yeah, this is a thing. I'm not sure why it's called a shadow minister, uh-huh. but shadow minister uh-huh. Terry Butler <laughs> wants legislation on marriage equality. So shadow minister for equality Terry Butler. Butler's in favor of legislation on marriage equality. 
Daniel Andrews, the Victorian premier. Wait, oh, oh for like the for like Victoria. For Victoria. Okay, not Victorian. Like not he's from, come through time. Not from Victorian. The, the shadow Indians. minister and the Victorian dame yeah. are teaming up. The Victorian premier. Whatever. Uh, it would be great if like there was a premier who was appointed for different. Periods time periods of, yes yeah. yes i'm the edwardian premiere yes oh i'm from the middle ages i've got <laughs> syphilis uh anyway so daniel andrews is the premier of victoria he does not want the plebiscite there's still a lot of tum- tussling over whether that plebiscite's gonna happen whether okay. it's not so i mean the latest news is there is no news just we've got a shadow minister and boy i was on the edge of my seat know, to find out about the plebiscite Very impatient france uh-huh Marianne Maréchal Le Pen says that... Were, that, were those song lyrics? That was so musical. She does have a pretty name. Uh-huh. Uh, she does not have pretty ideology. Uh. She's the granddaughter of uh, the leader, the founder of the National Front Party. That doesn't sound good. It doesn't sound good. She says that marriage equality is going to lead to polygamy. Uh, France has had okay. marriage equality since 2013. Mm-hmm. So far, no sign that polygamy is on the upswing, but, you know, good for her. So when people use that as like a, a oh boy this is what it's uh oh here it comes polygamy um why is that so scary I don't know I mean because we've had for one thing polygamy has been a thing for a long time sure for another thing people want to be polygamous um for heaven's sake just let them do their thing and stop bothering them well and- I mean look there are issues with exploiting women there there are some issues to, to sort out about inheritance and, and whatnot like it's it's not totally clear cut but. I don't know why that's the that's the the scare tactic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and not you know, gay marriage is going to lead to bears and chickens making out. I mean, it's it's as realistic. Like, how does one thing lead to the other? Uh, I don't know. If you're redefining marriage, I guess uh, you're saying, oh, there's no limits. Sky's the limit. And polygamy is the thing they land on. Right, but what what is frightening about that? Like, I'm just trying to understand why. Like, clearly they go to that because they think it's going to work and scare people and upset people and make people think, oh no, this is we have to stop gay marriage because what if polygamy happens what if polygamy happens well then they go back to their you know their their talking points oh it's gonna deprive a child of a stable environment so i mean again i know that there are issues with exploitation and that sort of thing but i can see some real advantages to having multiple adult multiple stable adult caregivers in a home yeah yeah oh you mean the way that that humans have been raising children for tens of thousands of years well in various cultures at various times yes not always but uh, but in many cases uh that has been an arrangement that has worked out now again i just want to be very clear that the way that usually shakes out is one man who has sort of a a property relationship with multiple women that's not good good. that's not good no not that we don't want that i mean that is an actual like that's a bad thing correct if they were saying like gay marriage is going to lead to the exploit of women, yeah. I'd be like, no, I'm not sure about that. But I, at least the conclusion, exploitation of women, I'm like, okay, well, that is a bad thing if that's right. true. But a, a stable family with multiple caregivers, I think, again, there's also going to be some questions of, you know, what if... Uh, instability is simply introduced by having multiple people in the family and, you know, maybe through divorce type things, you know, people are exiting or entering. I mean, that could lead to chaos and bad outcomes. It also, because kids are resilient, maybe isn't that big a deal because that's probably how early human 
groups arrange themselves anyway with sure. multiple caregivers coming in and out because people died or, you know, various reasons. So, yeah, from a legal perspective, having a partnership of five people with people coming in and out it does become exponentially more legally complicated. But it's not an insurmountable, it's not an unsolvable problem. Well, sure. There's a legal thing. And then if you want to make the family case, I think there are questions mm-hmm. about... Uh, you know, to what extent children would thrive in such an arrangement. But I think that they are, in fact, questions. It's not settled that a child raised with multiple parents is going to do worse than a child with, you know, two biological parents or foster parents or step parents or grandparents or whatever. I mean, extended family... Polygamous arrangements may not be the norm in a lot of places, but extended family certainly is, with multiple generations living in a in a house or in close proximity, yeah. all sharing responsibilities. And it seems to me that if you are going to have any instability in a child-rearing environment, that having multiple adults is stable adults is maybe a better thing than only having two. So if like somebody's coming in and out, if somebody's leaving and you only have two parents there, uh, maybe having an aunt and an uncle... Uh, that probably would be helpful. And I'd be willing to entertain the theory that maybe having multiple parental figures, you know, not just this is my aunt and uncle and their friend and their their nephew, uh, but maybe having multiple parents could be good. I, I don't think we know enough about that yet to be like, oh, well, it introduces polygamy and that would obviously be bad. Right, right, right. And that's where I'm coming down on. Yes, polygamy has the potential for exploitation and that is something that uh, I think is certainly a concern. But in terms of it's, you know, it, it would destroy society and be terrible for children. Lots of societies have had it at various points in their history. And, you know, m- most have moved away from it at this point uh, toward nuclear families of two parents and the kids. But, you know, I, I don't know why we think just because that's what we have right now, that is the ideal arrangement forever and always. Right. And you know what? We know a lot of people who are kind of doing polygamy without calling it that. You know, uh, non-traditional families where, oh, the parents might have split up and the children's custody is shared. I mean, these are mothers and fathers who have multiple partners and they're raising kids and they're doing it in a way that maybe is not awesome to be like having kids shuttling between houses and states and whatever. Uh, But it's kind of something that's just sort of evolved anyway. You know, that's an interesting way to look at it is that with, you know, what we now call the blended family, Mm -hmm. it's essentially ad hoc polygamy. Polygamy. I mean, we don't call it that, but it's sort of a a serial... Serial polygamy. Serial marriage. Mm -hmm. uh, So they're not existing at the same time, but you're still sharing children um, between sets of parents and step parents and whatever. So yeah, I mean, we sort of have arrived at this unexamined ad hoc polygamy yeah. or, or, or serial marriage yeah. um, without really just acknowledging it for what it is. Like, I mean, what difference does it make that those marriages happen sequentially rather than simultaneously? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, because because we, if they happen sequentially, we can pretend that they're not happening. We can just be like, oh, that, that marriage didn't count. That wasn't the real marriage. This is the real marriage. Oh, sure. I mean, with like, you know, the, the Catholic annulment thing, that uh-huh. is literally what you say. That yeah, marriage yeah. didn't count. It wasn't a real marriage. Yeah. Uh, nothing nothing counts if, if you decide that you didn't like it. Right. Um, 
And, you know, now we have just uh, confirmed the fear that uh, gay marriage leads to polygamy, because we're saying, uh, maybe. It might. Uh, I, I'm more I interested in the bear and the chicken. Sure. Now, I don't think there is a direct line between the two. No, I, this isn't something, uh, this sequential ad hoc marriage isn't something that happened because of the gays. It no, straight people came up with that. Yeah, yeah. So, thanks, straight people. No, but really, thanks, straight people, for <laughs> pushing the boundaries of, of what a family can be. Sure. You know, that's a good point. Straight people have been redefining marriage for quite a while, haven't they? Sure they have. Yeah. Oh, my God. For sure. I mean, look at my, my YouTube video from a while back about what is traditional marriage. It's Marriage has been a lot of terrible things. And often it reflects the society of the time. So, Well, it always reflects yeah. the society of the time, right? Well, I mean, the, when you look at the changes, uh, the, oh, okay. looking at the changes in marriage is instructive to look at how the society is evolving at that particular time. You know, more, more rights for women coincided with, uh, you know, women getting the right to vote coincided with laws about uh, reducing the legality of spousal abuse, for example. Mm -hmm. And uh, laws about reproductive freedom coincided with laws about uh, men no longer being head of household uh, and being able to uh, make the decision about what happens to their wives and their, their wives being legally uh, subordinate. Often, I, I think that mostly the history of marriage has been about things over centuries getting slightly incrementally better for women over time. Yeah, that's that's mostly been the story of marriage, about it being really bad for women uh, and then getting a little better and a little better and a little better. Yeah, that does seem to be the case. So I don't know. Now, uh, what's what's left to improve? Uh, maybe uh, better relationships for everybody. I guess. I mean, again, I don't I don't get marriage. So, uh, you know, I guess. Sure. If 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 we want to take this thing that was a way to exchange ownership of women from one person to another and apply a layer of two guys who want to have butt sex want their community to approve of it, then sure. Aren't you romantic? That's uh, <laughs> it's such a... Uh, oh, the poetry. Can, the, can those be our wedding vows? No. No, they cannot, because we will never be married. Well, we might be if it becomes economically advantageous, but... Um, Again, very romantic. Very well, romantic. no, I mean... I know, no, but here's the thing, James, is is I appreciate the romance that we have. But, uh, the sweet gestures that you make to me uh, that are not marriage are things that make me very happy, oh. such as uh, breaking my pride bracelet and then expecting me to fix it. I kind of fake fixed it. Fa you did. You did a good job. While we've been sitting here, James has been tying some knots and tiny rubber bands, and he has repaired temporarily. Uh, in, a, in a way. It's, it's been repaired in reverse. <laughs> you're, you're, oh, wait, who, who repaired Barbarella ship in reverse? Mark Hand, Mark the, Hand catchman. the Catchman. of course, yes. of course. How could I have forgotten? Yes, you're, you're my Mark Hand. Does he say, I think, I think the ship says, uh, activating the Terra screw. That's right, yes. All right, well, now it's time for us to activate our Terra screws. Babare! Everybody, thank you again for listening. Bye-bye. Uh, if you are enjoying the show, please do give us some feedback. You can reach me at Matt Baum on Twitter. You can also leave a review of the show on the iTunes store. That is a delightful gesture. And if you are enjoying the podcast, you might enjoy my book, Defining Marriage. That's on Amazon as an audiobook and an ebook and a print book. And you might also like my other podcast, The Sewers of Paris, where I talk to LGBTs about entertainment that changed their lives. Uh, my most recent one was with Joe Megacy, a gay Republican who has some stories to share. Anyway, that's pretty much it for this week. James, do you have anything you want to add? I fixed it. Everyone, by the power vested in me by the internet, I hereby pronounce this podcast over. I need a chicken to kiss.